Welcome to another episode of Civic Cipher. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. They call me Q Warden. It just so happens to be my name, Ramses. What up, though? Everything, man. Um, listen, man, the world is uh, changing. Indeed. And um, we got to talk about how. I think that's what we do here. So, all the ways how. So, this week, I wanted to talk about a few things. One of them is what life is like for black folks that some folks might not realize Hmm. Um, but we'll get to that a little bit later in the show Um, but I think it's really helpful to have conversations like that so that other people are able to make sense of microaggressions or you know behaviors that they haven't been able to quite pin down Um, but I think that uh, one of the more telling um, issues that is taking place right now um, with the pandemic is the vaccine. Now, for folks that don't know, um, or you know, if you haven't seen on social media, there's a lot of memes going around, um, and I think behind the memes, there's a lot of real. Uh, Fear, you know that that manifests itself in you know the the humorous memes or whatever. But there's a there's a real fear about you know getting vaccinated. Um, and before we get there, I wanted to mention that you know as far as uh, COVID is concerned, you know my understanding is that uh, black people are twice as likely to die uh, from COVID as white folks. And that's an interesting statistic to then also have black folks be very leery of getting vaccinated. Um, but, you know, like I said, I've seen, you know, these things going back and forth. And I think that that this is a great place to start for kind of letting folks know um, what the world might be like living with black skin. And, and you know, just to have that conversation amongst ourselves um, because this is, you know, therapy, you know, of sorts. So um, what have you seen so far about, you know, the vaccine or your thoughts on it so far? Um, I don't know. I think we started having this conversation before without even realizing it. And I say that because we spoke before about uh, black people's distrust of information, of our government, of uh, any uh, body that's supposed to be superior to us because we've been let down so many times that the worst case scenario has happened, right? We've gotten to a point where <laughs> there's no facts anymore. And conspiracy theories used to get called out really fast. And now they all get at least a hold on. I don't Ain't your name Huffy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they all get a little bit of pause now where you're like, wait, I don't you feel <laughs> your name Huffy? So where we used to be able to readily point to something and just be like, okay, listen, this group of people are not drinking baby blood to stay young. Right. Now we hear stuff like that and we pause. Like and some of us go way beyond pausing and yeah. then we dig further down that hole and find a bunch of stuff to support it and we're gone. Then you're having a crazy conversation with somebody you've known for 20 years and you're looking around like what is going on? Yeah. So 
the, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled off was convincing the world he didn't exist. Right. So a big part of our, our former president's appeal uh, and, and reason why so many people were able to latch on to him, even people that you would consider decent, is because he made everyone question everything. And on his face, that doesn't sound bad. Right. To have a healthy sense of skepticism and to and to wonder about things on their face. That's not bad. It's actually healthy. But to not believe anything is very, very dangerous. Or or I'll add to it that um, you have a separate reality and it's it's almost delusion. And that's something that. Well, that's where that delusion stems from. Right. Right. When when water isn't wet anymore. Yeah. As when that can't be a fact. Then it's very, very easy to end up living in a separate reality altogether. Right. right. So the vaccine and the way that people are responding to it, what you said earlier is, is, is it? It's fear. Right. But at some point we have to be and I hate to use the word smarter because it sounds like an attack. Right. The, the, the people who have developed this fear and this distrust, it's justified, man. Like, you know, people talk about the Tuskegee experiments and things like that. And when they say that, you're like, ouch. Because that happened. Yeah. Right. So you can't just discount it. But at some point, we have to draw a line with how we get our information and what we're willing to accept as fact versus just someone talking. Because when rapper A says Percocet, Molly, Ecstasy. That would be future and, and 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 lean and all this other stuff. We ain't got no memes about how we scared of that. Right. Like none. And we know this stuff is taking people out. We don't stop there. We you give us give us give me to you know <laughs> party to the edge. <laughs> and once upon a time we, our people, didn't party to the edge. Yeah. You know, there was a there was a there were two singular places where we and y'all know what I mean. Yeah. There's two places. We was here or we or was we here, here and, and that's, that's it. it. <laughs> else. Now, favorite rappers say it. I we guess that's it. what we own tonight. Yeah. Girls, guys, kids, adults, every club. And being DJs, they, they come to us. Hey, you know where this is at? No, I don't. I'm actually offended that you asked. <laughs> yeah. So we can't be ready without any research, without any hesitation to jump into these spaces with recreational drugs because such and such rapper said so and then we're going to completely write off the center for disease control yeah like that seems a bit extreme to me especially when we have to also remember that death is not the only negative outcome because that's another thing that's being bounced back you see a lot of people proudly putting well only this many people are dying as if just not dying is a celebration. People got permanent, permanent brain damage, permanent lung damage, permanent heart damage, permanent. Yeah. People from developing se- seizure or not developing seizures, dementia. Like it's it's not all good. The strokes. Yeah. The strokes leave lasting, uh, and not not just that. The virus itself. You know the um. I have a friend. Uh, shout out to uh, Shana. She lost her sense of smell. Still gone. So, you know, you're talking about people try to like to say the percentages because they sound low. No, let's talk about these hundreds of thousands of people that are dying. And a quarter million new cases <laughs> almost daily. Right. Like we can choose to ignore all those facts. We can choose to continue to be, if not unintelligent, irresponsible. 
right? Because the worst case scenario of being careful and looking out for your fellow man and woman is that you're a little less comfortable than normal. That's worst case scenario. You wear the mask. It's a little harder to breathe than without it. Right? Mild inconvenience. At, at, at worst. Or at worst. Right? <laughs> the other side of that is you say, I don't care. And then you or your kids or somebody that you know and or love is in the hospital hoping that they survive. And you have to reconcile with yourself that you could have been a big part of the solution instead of a massive part of the problem. So um, I'm looking forward to it, right? Because this is wildly uncomfortable after this long, but I'm going to do it as long as we need to. So that at some point we don't. And that's what I don't think people are paying attention to. Go hard at all this stuff you don't want to do so that we can stop having to do it. Or just keep not caring and keep forcing a large por- portion of the population to have to be mildly uncomfortable for a very, very, very extended time, amount of time. Yeah. Well, I want to say this because I think it's important to say it. Um, obviously, here on Civic Cipher, um, this is a, a show dedicated to um, black voices, a black agenda. Um, and minorities um, but you know it this is a virus that attacks human beings um, I understand that black folks you know uh, we typically are uh, distrustful of like you said any really authoritative agency yeah. governing agency that can be you know the medical field um, or and and certainly anything uh municipal or you know uh, governmental but um i know someone who's not alive anymore matter of fact a lot of people might know um dj steel if, if you don't know him maybe you know the name and uh of course he's not the only one he's just a person that was close enough to me mm-hmm. to and he was a little bit younger than me mm. you know and i'm 38 years old so for him to have been alive a matter of months ago and not be alive anymore, he didn't see today. It's very sad. Um, and, you know, the, the severity of it really hit me at that because, you know, I knew someone had passed before that, but she was elderly and, you know, we kind of knew what it was. But for it to hit close to home and in that way, it really kind of changed how it looked to me especially because we're being sold on the idea that if you're young and somewhat in shape that you're fine sure right and, and that's based on the fa- uh, mortality rate mm-hmm. you're likely to survive is what they're saying if you're younger yeah which is almost the case with everything if you're young and healthy yeah. then that's typically the case so again touting that as some type of relax you're fine drives me crazy too because every time i'm it, i'm like ouch man like that's that's a dangerous precedent to set. That's a dangerous piece of advice to give out. And I say piece of advice because this sounds crazy to say out loud. A lot of people use social media memes as scholastic research. <laughs> Forgive me for chuckling. <laughs> But if they read it on a meme, it has to be true, right? Let me let me tell and you. And if the right person posts it, 
Then it's, it's definitely fact. true. Yeah. We're not even going to double back on this. They're going we're going to copy this and paste it and send it this to our friends so they can know that this is what it is. Real quick, let me jump in. I have to say it. I saw a meme where it said me after I get the vaccine and it was the gremlin from the like the evil gremlin and it was dancing the thriller doing the thriller <laughs> dance. <laughs> I, just, I thought that was obviously it's funny, but it shows oh, that you know, people are fearful of the side of, and, and I wanted to talk about that. Um, now, you know this cue, but a lot of folks may not be aware that this mistrust is as old as this country. Um, you know, obviously everyone's familiar with the idea that uh, black Africans Black folks were originally brought to this company, to this country rather, to do the heavy lifting. Slaves do, be, do slave labor. All, all the lifting, right? Heavy, medium, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Clean up the babies. Yeah, all the diapers, all of that. Yeah. Um, but less people may know that um, uh, black people were used as um, sort of the. Uh, crash test dummies of their day um because black lives didn't matter which is part of the reason which is the the main reason why we say black lives matter because we have to say it historically it has not been the case and that's also why and people still, say blue lives matter is such a, a, a slap in the face because no one has ever questioned that that has always kind of been the norm yeah, but it's also not a thing yeah, but you know but, you know hist- historically in this country um, especially at that point, black lives didn't matter. And, and so you were able to procure a human being and perform experiments on this human being. And these things are all well documented, um, you know, uh, and, and I implore you to do the research. You know what I always say? Google is free. I wish we could teach people how to properly do research because you can find articles yeah. and documents that speak to the other side. Of the argument as well And they're completely false And have no basis But But um, In this case You're going to be able to find uh, Things like the cephalic index Where they would study the skulls The shapes of the skulls of, Of African people And use that as a way to measure intelligence For those of you who have seen the movie Um Django uh, there's a there's a scene with Leonardo DiCaprio where he kind of speaks to this bogus, you know, science that was just entirely made up. But obviously, human beings had to, black human beings had to lose their life in order for this bogus science to exist at that point in time to further justify slavery because bogus they were they were trying accepted. to they were trying to to sell Northerners on the idea that black people were created to be subservient. And they had to make up a scientific basis for that argument and try to pass that off. And so these experiments were conducted. But not just that. There were many experiments conducted. And they used everything that I have to keep kind of driving this point home. They used everything that you believe in, not just science, but religion. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So when, when everything that you once believed in was used to subjugate and kill and torture you, it makes complete sense why you stop believing all of it. Yeah. Like, you know what? Last time y'all told me something. And it didn't quite work out that way. Listen, man. <laughs> so, so I feel y'all. So um, 
you know, uh, there's other examples too. You know, there's uh, forced sterilizations. Um, uh, Puerto Rico comes to mind. Um, even even nowadays, if you look in the medical field, you'll see that um, black women are like way more likely to die during uh, pregnancy and childbirth. Um, and, you know, research has uncovered that the reason for this is because the doctors just don't listen to black women. They don't listen to their complaints or they feel like black people somehow can tolerate more pain or whatever it is. And, you know, I read a, I read a research on it uh, or I, I read a study on that, why that was the case. And obviously black people are very robust people because we are human. We are the we're, we are human beings the original and everyone else is sort of a mutation of that um um, but the other the other thing is um that you touched on that i want to mention is the tuskegee experiments so for folks that are not familiar with this um basically in the early that might have been the 1920s 19 teens somewhere in there let's just say early 1900s sure um there was a government uh, study uh, performed and uh, they were researching syphilis and they didn't have enough participants and at the time it was uh, purported not researched but it was just assumed that black people had uh, a higher percentage of STDs (laughs) there's no scientific basis for this and you can you can research it. Obviously, I've had to look into this myself, but um, you know that it was the assumption was that black people have these diseases. Well, because and they're filthy, Rams. That's what you, you didn't, sure. You I mean, it's the, the night. It's the early nineteen hundreds. Yeah, read the so. brochure. Bro. It says <laughs> yeah, it on there. Yeah, if man. You go no, to uh, I think it's page three. If you scroll <laughs> down, paragraph three, article four. Yeah, you see it right there. It says it right there. It's actually capitalized, <laughs> bold face, and underlined. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, uh, and then they needed people to, um, to study what syphilis, the effects that syphilis has on the body long term. Um, and they tried to recruit some folks with syphilis. Turns out that there weren't enough people who had it or were willing to volunteer. Yeah. Everybody not trying to disclose that. So what they did was they recruited um, healthy people, black people, and injected them with syphilis. And ended up being around 400 uh, black folks. And monitored these people for, I want to say like 40 years, the effects that syphilis had on their bodies. And watched them deteriorate. And... Um, you know, at, at some point they offered to, you know, uh, give you a free meal if you'll come back and let us do a checkup on you and see how you're doing. And then, you know, when people started dying, hey, we're offered to, to pay for your funeral. Let's just get one more look at you. You know, this sort of thing. But um, I think it was Bill Clinton that formally apologized in the 90s and to, to a lot of black folks that didn't know that this was even happening. It came to light, um, which very much reflected the experience that a lot of black folks have with doctors you know this is why there's been this this big push for years decades to have more black doctors 
some things they just are cultural you know um some uh, some parts just don't translate as well as they could and it's not the patient's fault it's the doc- the doctor is the healer yeah the doctor's not willing to listen or can't listen or cannot find the the social capacity to learn that other people walk a different path or you know express things differently than you know but uh these things and things like these have resulted in this deep mistrust and i have to kind of piggyback off of what you're saying because i've experienced it twice with my mother and with my children's mother the doctor completely ignoring them completely just you listen to what i say because i said it and i'm the doctor and you don't know what you're talking about yeah and in both cases had i not been present who knows the direction that this goes you know my mother um I'd be on here all night trying to list all of the things that my mom is dealing with. But this was um, a part of her cancer treatment. And she's telling the doctor that things are not going the way that they're supposed to. And just by her speaking up, he got angry, slammed his clipboard and stormed out. Like, you're going to listen to what I say, period, or I'm not going to treat you. And we're talking about cancer. We're talking about terminal illness where the most likely outcome isn't survival. The treatment itself weakens you, destroys your immune system. You end up with no hair and and barely able to fight anything else besides what you're being treated for. And this doctor, just out of sheer arrogance, would not listen. She got a second, third and fourth opinion. All of the other specialists told her that she was right. The treatment was burning her and not the cancer. Um, and when my both of my kids were born, when we first got to the hospital, our doctor wasn't there. So the doctor on who just so happened to be on call both times had to step in for her. And I guess the best part the first time is that my children's mother is Mexican and so is her doctor. So when she arrived she immediately because it was panic all of these alarms were going off Ramses was actually the first person at the hospital when this happened all of these alarms are going off 10 nurses run in the room like it's crazy we're scared to death we don't know what's going on and our doctor isn't there but as soon as she got there she just started making right now decisions the right way and it calmed everything down now when my daughter was born last Christmas our doctor was not present and thank goodness I was because, again, she was being completely ignored. She'd made it very, very plain. She wanted to have a natural birth. The doctor had made up his mind she was going to have a C-section, period. So there's me and him going back and forth about her wishes because she's in so much pain. She can barely express or fight for herself. And think about times where there is no other person there to fight for you. You just have to depend on the medical staff. And in that case, they're going to do what they want to do. And like you said something goes wrong they're not gonna cop to it that's just the way things go we did all we could except ignore what you were being told by your patient so it's i had not thought of that until you said it but as soon as you said it i'm like wow i saw that happen in real life multiple times our women just not being taken seriously not listened to and not respected by in most parts men uh white men um so it's it's tough it's a it's a tough truth to Except I want to I want to say that I recognize that 
when doctors i i do believe that doctors are good people it takes a certain type of person to dedicate their life to trying to heal people i i'm this let me let me finish what i'm saying i want to start there i want to start there okay um but i also think that at a point it becomes work you've seen it all you've done it all and this is part of the reason why i feel like black doctors who are familiar with things that affect black people perhaps differently um and hear black stories you know there's there's high blood pressure is something that affects black people you know sickle cell that's you know these sorts of things and how do these ailments interact with others how do these medications interact you know are you more studied are you more versed in this this facet of medicine this language you know um so if if there's a disconnect there if you haven't if it has become a job for you as a doctor and you haven't grown in that capacity then it's very easy to make these mistakes um and and that's why i wanted to say that now granted there might be just some people who are just bad doctors some people who deliberately want to do you know cause harm but my thinking is more along the lines of maybe there's you know we need a little more empathy yeah. a little bit more education no i know what you mean i didn't i didn't mean the opposite of what you're saying just mm-hmm. some nuance sure. so in a lot of developed countries mm-hmm. what people used to call first world mm-hmm. healthcare is not for profit yeah, weird huh so the people that choose to go into that field in places like that it's not because they want to be rich they really want to because do it. they really really want to help people that does not mean that people here aren't you know good nature but there is a financial also, incentive they can also get money off yeah, of it yeah so the decision making process isn't always man what i really 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 want to do is help people it's right. man, i can make a lot of money doing that right and it'd be cool to help some people right so i don't mean that there are people that are going into it trying to cause harm it's just a level of apathy when finance is the driving force sure. and not the essence the, the oath that they take i think it's called the hippocratic yeah Healing for the sake of healing. Yeah, right. You know what I mean. So that's another thing that we should that we should speak to people about. This vaccine, it is not an American thing. This pandemic is not an American thing, right? So, I said this. I cannot think of a time in our world's history where the government of every continent and country on Earth said at the same time, "Hey, yo, let's run this play <laughs> on everybody." <laughs> And then all the other governments say, yeah, let's do that. It's never happened. Right. It'll never happen. So there's all of these countries where the vaccine is not for profit, you know, at least the way that it's being administered. And I'm thinking that they're trying to make it similar here where you don't have to get broke or go broke to get yeah. treatment for this thing. Right. You know, somebody's going to make money off of it, just like somebody made money when they made cars run cleaner. Just because something is profitable does not make it by nature bad. But the first lady, she's 90 something year old, years old that got the vaccine was in the UK. Mm-hmm. She wasn't here. You know, so it's not American propaganda. You know, there are people in this world, uh, one of them, a black woman here to save the day again, working very, very hard on something to help us battle this thing that's killing people the one who developed the vaccine correct she was a black woman yeah so it's important to say that very very important to say that so um and 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 while we're here i think that 
you know, we're very fortunate to have this platform to be able to share, you know, our thoughts and to have these sort of conversations. But um, I, w- I want to say that if there is a silver lining to this whole thing, it really has shown, at least it's shown me how connected we are to each other um because everybody's got to get healed everybody's got to get vaccinated everybody we're all on the same we're all human beings and we're all susceptible and that that tie that binds us all um helps you to realize that there's more that connects us than there is far more exactly far more i really wish we could i wish we could say that enough times for it to click yeah we're in this together we need each other and we're in this together now before i before we move on i do want to say this um once upon a time had a similar story so you know i'm i'm not here just spouting out facts either um i have a son who was born with spina bifida and it took him a long time to learn you know how to go to the bathroom how to walk you know these things um if you saw him, you would never know. But of course, we knew that. Yeah. He, he's, Those he of was, us that have been here since he's been here. Yeah. Um, he had like little leg braces when he was a baby and all this sort of stuff. Well, something that a lot of folks don't know is that they had a plan for my son um, when he was little. They knew exactly what they were going to do. They were going to take my child and fit him into their program mm. as opposed to creating a program that was suited for my child and the thing that stands out in my mind um because i fought with a good number of doctors and you know as as it turns out doctors there there sometimes is a level of arrogance there exactly they just feel like they know better yes you know um but there's not there's never going to be a human being on this planet that will tell me more about my son than i already know unless that's his mom so these doctors were trying to suggest to me, one doctor in particular, that my son needed to start using a catheter um, to use the bathroom. And the thing with a catheter is once you start using it, you're on a catheter for the rest of your life. And um, for those of you familiar with catheters, you understand that when my baby starts going to school, when he, you know, start when he gets a girlfriend when he you know this is something that's going to be a part of his story forever Mm -hmm. but i knew that he had enough feeling to where if i worked with him he'd be fine and not only did i have to fight with the doctors my son's mother is a nurse so she's accustomed to doing what the doctors say and when i laid out my case you know i had to fight with her Mm -hmm as well as the doctor but when i laid out my case um she you know gave me you know it's my son so she's like hey you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna argue with you on this one but the doctor when i took it to the doctor the doctor that was a real arrogant man and obviously my son is fine you would never know goes to the bathroom just fine and we see who was right and who was wrong and so this is perhaps a universal experience but i only know this to be a black experience because mm-hmm. i haven't seen the world through other eyes um and so again i understand but also let me say this the uh the doctors 
black doctors. Um, there was there's a black doctors consortium, um, and they were polled, and seventy three percent of them said that they worry about the safety of the vaccine because you know it had to be rushed into production. This is you know whatever. So that many black doctors said that they worried about it, and. 42%, only 42% said that they plan on getting the vaccine when it initially rolls out. So even those in the medical field aren't entirely trusting of the medical field. And so you begin to see how cultural this is. And, and obviously my position is that in this moment, it might be better for us to consider ourselves human beings first and black second. And I know that that's very difficult for a lot of people who have a black ex- lived black experience because yes, black that black really follows you, and that's what I wanted to to talk about um, the black experience. Um, a lot of folks may not know what it's like to walk through this life as a black person. Um, so if we're able to shift gears a bit here, um, I want to tell a story. Um, Before you go into your story Yeah Let people know who they're listening to Well if you're just tuning in This is Civic Cypher And I am your host Ramses Ja They call me Q Ward And that just so happens to be my name Thank you guys for joining us again Yeah And uh, we're talking about um, A deep-seated Mistrust That black folks And I, I know for a fact That a lot of our uh, Hispanic brothers and sisters Also have for the medical you know community at large the government the government of course but um but also with this vaccine and um i don't want fear to keep us from getting in front of this this uh virus because the virus can kill you (laughs) you know what i mean yeah or it can maim you for life you know that we've seen that um the vaccine is meant to help and to get us back to normal where we don't have to wear a mask imagine getting the vaccine you don't have to wear a mask anymore um, Life changing Anyway For uh, folks that might not be Intimately or directly uh, Familiar with what it's like to To be black and to walk In black shoes um, Something happened to me Recently where I was Walking Walking down the street mm. In my own neighborhood that's, where I live That's lived. dangerous man well, listen. I told to you it's in the pamphlet. You got to read it. <laughs> you got to read it. Article three, page three, chapter four. <laughs> well, listen to this. So I'm walking in my neighborhood, and ahead of me, I see a woman with a stroller, and then behind her, I see a couple. They're too far apart from each other to be walking together. They just happen to both be walking in the same direction mm-hmm. and walking toward me, right? Walking toward you, right? Mm. On the same side of the road, right? Now, um, my, perhaps we'll call it trauma brain, um, or whatever it is, you know, I, I hope it's not with me until I die, but it has been with me since I've clicked on to consciousness. And so ever since I can remember, this has been a constant companion of mine. I recognized that they might be afraid of me now right now my hair is 
uh, mm-hmm. what what is it called uh, when they do it? Mm-hmm. It's it's like straighten my little sister, you know. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm walking down the street and I have a hood on over my hair because you know this you got to kind of keep a mane like this under control, right? And I recognize, oh my God, these people are going to be terrified of me. Um, and so I did my best to distance myself from them. I t- this, I'm on the sidewalk. This is my house. I live here. These people are taking a walk, right? But I caused myself to be less intimidating and I positioned myself in such a way to where I would be less intimidating to these people. I would look less aggressive, less forceful. I gave them all the whole sidewalk. I w- and I shouldn't have to do that, right? I mean, any, I'm, I don't mean anyone any harm. But this is the way that I do And I don't realize that I'm doing it. It's just a natural thing that I do when I recognize I'm going to just be blunt. Oh, some white people are just there. They might be afraid. Let me make sure they don't get afraid because we know how those stories can go, right? So it's a um, shame. Yeah, but uh, and and I I'll never I'll never deny that, but this is normal for me. And I know that it's normal for many people who look like me. Let's not make anybody afraid because when they get afraid, then it becomes scary for me. <laughs> Imagine that. Their fear is your problem even I, though you had nothing to do you. with it. I have to be 3 steps ahead. When I see these two sets of folks, uh, the, the, the uh, woman and her baby, and then these other, this couple, I have to be mindful of that. I have to be two steps ahead of whatever they might be thinking so that there's, you know, no issues, there's no nothing, you know. Remember when we got on those cruise ships and we went on the other side of the world? Mm-hmm. When we got off of those cruise ships, I never encountered that. Yeah. Over there, they're just, it's not a thing crazy huh? yeah in america <laughs> yeah that, absolutely i'm talking about we getting off the ship in countries where we don't look like nobody <laughs> and everybody looks the same and you know we may even be in my case larger than everyone and people are staring at me but not like scared but like wow can i take a picture with yeah you? <laughs> well they didn't even ask like well, people would just walk up and like <laughs> yeah, take, this is, just snap they selfie i was, I was in china in it in yeah. china yeah when i was in china yeah, um but it was just, you know, and I'm not saying that some of the things that, you know, some of the ails don't exist elsewhere. It's just a lot worse here at home. Yeah. And it's it's I think it's conditioned into society and we as black people are able to pick up on it. And we understand when, you know, the, the, the cards are the deck stacked against us. And this is sort of what happens. So what happens is to finish the story. I'm walking down the street. I step away from these people and I'm looking down and away, not eyeing them. Right now, this is what you had to do in the slave in slave days. You couldn't make eye contact with white folks because, you know, that would get, you know, that meant that you were equal to them and they didn't like that. So you had to always look away. But this posture to humor these people, make sure that they were comfortable is something that is still it's still in me. Because of, I don't want to upset these folks. But watch what happened. The first woman walks by me with the baby. And she's like, hi, how you doing? Like, d- the most friendly thing in the world. Now, guess who looks like the jerk? The dude who walked way over there and is looking down in a way. Yeah. And being dismissive and passive right. aggressive. and Right. 
And then a weirdo. Then the next couple walks past. And I don't know if they heard the first lady <laughs> or they was just, you know, some other, you know, holly jolly folks, you know. How you doing? Happy holidays. Just so happy. And I'm, you know, I'm still trying to make sure that I'm not scaring them. Right. Yeah, man. And so I, I thought it was important to say this because. Knowing like the, and then black people listen to our, our show, but a lot more people that are not black listen to our show. And it's important to explain things like this, that that maybe they're not cultural, but they're a result of cultural conditioning, you know, and these these things, you know, those people have no idea why they're walking down the street and everyone they said hi to was so cheerful and jolly. And the one black person that they saw (laughs) was all, you know. He looked was moving kind of funny, yeah, stepping away from him like sucks. they smelled bad. You know what I mean? And the thing, and the truth is, if I, the type of person that I am, I'm happy to say hi. You know, I'm happy to return the happy holidays. You know, uh, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, whatever it is that's going on. Um, but obviously, the thing that's more pressing is let me make sure that these people are not afraid of me. Yeah, I mean, because you even feel worse when you overextend and they are afraid. Right. And they do dismiss you and like dish you like strong. You know right. for a fact they heard you. They were looking right at you, completely ignore you. They're completely uncomfortable and then you feel like a jerk again. Exactly. It's like it's like you the 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 likelihood of you ending up <laughs> <laughs> on some weird stuff is so high. Yeah, man. It's, usually it's better to just kind of, you know, you know, keep your head down, walk fast, get away from everybody that might have a problem with you. And, and I, you know, I, some people you can kind of tell by how they walk, how they talk, you know, they might be okay. It's cool to say hi, but a lot of people, you know, you don't know if they're Karens or Chad's or whatever the other one is, you know? And so it's just better to, you know, and th- that's not the only example. Um, you know, I, I, you, many people might be more familiar with the idea of walking around the store while while being black you know being a black person in a store um there's this weird um stereotype that exists that black people steal um and and hispanic people too you know that we're thieves with no with no data to support sure and 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 you know what even if i did want to go that far right let's say i did want to tell myself a story um you know where where's the theft happening more than likely it's happening in low income you know areas where money is not abundant and you know people still have the same needs um i have a friend a very close friend he's um in the in a picture right here in the studio um <clears throat> his mom went to jail for like 4 years for stealing food that happened. I saw that. Black woman, you know. Um, and so this is a, a part of the story of my life because him and I had to live together um, while his mom was away. Anyway, um, so yeah, this walking around the store, you, knowing that, um, I recognize that there's certain liberties that I can't take while I'm walking around in the store because, you know, those people that are the plain clothes. Uh, security loss prevention sure those guys what they're called um those guys will be out walking with you through the store 
you know um if for those who've, who've seen minister society you, you're familiar with the hurry up and buy um and so you know it's it's one of those things where whenever you go into a store especially a store where there's little grabby things left and right it's just a matter of okay let me be mindful of where i'm at where are the cameras let me make sure these people know and i'm not here on the funny stuff um you know uh i know another story once when i was um a lot younger I was at a friend's house and one of his toys went missing and I was there. I was like spending the weekend with him. Right. There's a bunch of people there. You know, it was like a sort of like a slumber party sort of a thing. Right. Um, and one of his toys, you know, it was bootleg cat for, for those that know that name. Um, he and I grew up together. One of his toys went missing and, uh, I had known Kevin since he was three years old. At this time, he was maybe like seven, eight. So I'd known him four years. And uh, everyone starts looking for this toy. Now, the the blackness in me immediately goes into panic mode because I... Listen, man. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? People, I did not steal this toy. I will lead the search party. Right. Y'all can triple search me. And here's... Watch this. I'm going to do you one better. I'll lead the search party and I hope that I don't find it. Because then and, I had it the I, whole time. Yep. And then I hope that, I hope that whenever, whoever finds it, they find it far away from anywhere I've ever been. Like I hope it's in, in the upstairs bathroom that I ain't even seen yet when you find it. Like I didn't even go up there so it wasn't me. Because of I hope this. I was at your aunt house that I haven't met You yet. left it in a car or something. <laughs> you know, like I, that's what I'm hoping. But I'm going to be the one person that's going to help you look for it. So this actually happened to me. And it wasn't until years later, maybe 20 years after that, when I told his mom that story. And she broke down. Now, Kevin, if you don't know, uh, Bootleg Kev is white. So his mom is white, you know. But these are the the closest people to me like when you've known somebody since yeah. you were a bait literally a baby you know they're you know um but his mom broke down she was like you really thought that i would think that you would steal a toy you really thought i could think that about you even then when i'd known you for years and i'm like and i and i felt like i needed to apologize i'm like i'm so sorry i didn't i don't know how to fix that i just the world has taught me to have that intrinsic subconscious reaction i don't even have to think about it it's all it's automatic sure um and these are sorts of things that really i think it's important to, to talk about because people who are allies to black people people who might be listening to this radio station because they like the music and it's black music even if it's you don't think it's black music it's definitely black music um i feel like the people listening to this show are people that, who are empathetic People who are decent human beings and people who might want to or could stand to learn more about a black experience. Why are black people so afraid of of a flu sh- or a, a flu shot? That's effectively what it is. Or why are you know why do black people behave in these ways or these other ways? Now, I do want to talk about this. Running, running while black, <laughs> outside specifically. And you're not you're not on a track, you're not on a field, you're not on a basketball court. You're just running down the street. Now, there's a a million reasons you could be running, especially if you're young and in shape, you know, or a child and you're you know playing. But 
early on. Now, this might be something that's a little bit more specific to me. Um, again, I'm from Compton, California. Um, and, you know, those of you who know about Compton, California, know that it's not really the, the most kid-friendly place to grow up. But um, I remember hearing that you're never supposed to run down the street because what it does is it scares people, uh, police specifically. Um, and then the ready assumption is that if you're running, that you've stolen something, which is so funny because, you know, when, 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 when human beings look back on our legacy, when we try to identify a group of people, if we're doing this by race, who has done the stealing it will not be black people who have done the stealing, you know, but I digress. Um, don't you're run so much more hopeful than me. Like there's going to be a time where, where people look just back say, you know, if, and if things the day will comes. be, and things will be different. So they'll have to, if the day yeah. comes, you know, because the thing is the things that are well-documented in history, those things, they really tell the story. Like for every person that goes and, robs a corner store for $200 to pay their bills, there's an Enron that has stolen hundreds of millions of dollars from everybody. And, you know, the person who robs a corner store is in jail for seven years and the Enron people get, you know, one year, months. yeah, one year in probation. And, but the thing is, those things are, are well documented. I mean, we just, we talked about slavery early, earlier in this conversation. Slavery that's a theft of a whole group of people. And then the genocide of the Native Americans. Think of the think of the genocide and kidnapping of people throughout time. Sure. Uh, right. The offenders are the same in 100% Every time. Yeah. of the cases. Every time. But, you know, this idea that... You can't run down the street because the police will think you've stolen something or they think they'll think you've committed some other sort of crime is something that is sort of built into my childhood. Um, especially like running at full chat, full gallop. You know what I mean? You're like out there moving. If you're just kind of doing a little jog and you got some shorts on and you look like, you're, you know, athletic, you know, whatever. But if you're in a foot race with a friend. Don't do that out here in the street. You know, go in the alley or go so go somewhere else. You know, where you you know there's no cross traffic and no one can see you. But don't don't please don't do that in the street. And this is something that is very much a part of um, my growing up. And if I said that to a black person, they would obviously understand that. But I've recognized that when you say that to someone who didn't have a black experience, that that's like, oh my god, really? You're so paranoid. And then the strange part. Is if other black people see you running full gallop, <laughs> then they be out running too. Because we get it. <laughs> maybe you didn't steal nothing, but you maybe you're it's scared. Time. It's time to go. And if you scared, <laughs> we scared. In my mind, there is a pit bull behind you without the leash, one hundred percent of the time, and we out. Absolutely, absolutely. So that that is definitely cultural. <laughs> that's, that's some shared culture. Yeah, culture. I'm out, bro. I asked you in about a quarter mile. Hey, my man, where we running from? <laughs> <laughs> hey, yo, my dude. Oh, nothing. 
Oh, well, hey. Oh, you just out here exercising. Okay, okay I'm cute. You know what I'm saying? Nice to meet you, fam. <laughs> I thought it was a problem. Well, I'm going to go ahead and head back to yeah, my I'm car. Gonna go, <laughs> I'm going to go way back over there where we was at, but it'd be easy. Oh, man, that's funny. Um, but that, that brings me another thought. Um, and this is something that uh, everyone can, every, especially black folks, will understand and appreciate. Some things have to take place behind closed doors because the consequences, while black, are more frequent and more severe. Um, having an argument in public. Now, let me, let, me, let me paint a picture for you. We've seen this happen um, during this pandemic. Um, people going into the stores face out <laughs> just like all my face walking in the store face first i'm walking in the restaurant no mask you know that's how i'm how i'm living um and they expect the confrontation that they'll inevitably um have to deal with and they yell and they scream and they pull their phones out and they yell at people who other people who pulled their phones out and they want to make a big scene because they recognize that I'm just going to yell, I'm going to scream, I'm going to say my piece, you know, Trump 2020, and then I'm back outside again because obviously I'm not about to fight a bunch of security guards or whatever, right? What I'm saying here is that having an argument, not behind closed doors, but out in public, while black, is another thing that we just can't really do comfortably it has just go you gotta just go home bro yeah like listen we're gonna have to talk about this later yeah but, you know yeah, take the l immediately i knew i forgot my mask <laughs> <laughs> well listen this is an argument with anybody right but I, this is just an example of these people you and 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 no, but I, you, I use that example because on its face to argue the policy of any business that you're uh, trying to patronize before you say this before you say it What's 100% of the people you've seen in the video arguing about not wearing a mask? Yeah, yeah. Okay. What do they look like, though? They, do they look like you? You right. Do they look like you or No, not? they don't look they, like nobody look like, okay, okay. in my tree. Do they, they look like one, one type of person uh, every time? 100% of okay, the time. So that's what I'm trying to say. So when you're black, having an, an, a public disagreement, especially one that's heated, is very very dangerous because imagine imagine if one of those videos there was a black person um yelling about not wearing a mask in a walmart the beating and then the subsequent arrest that would ensue um and the thing is knowing that going into it kind of helps you to you know stay in you know hey i'm not i don't want no problems here now watch this um that's not to say that black people are always agreeable all agree on the same thing or anything like absolutely that absolutely not but the way that black people will approach things more often than not it doesn't look like a head-on confrontation in public because okay we know this as men right as men we we recognize that we can't really argue with a woman um because we're physically bigger you know we're stronger you know have typically have more imposing figures and it just looks like even if if we're yelling at the same volume out in public we look more scary and more aggressive right as men we know that 
Well, I would I would add to it that oh, as black man. people, we know a similar we, we experience a similar reality. If you're black and you're yelling about anything, let's say someone steals a parking spot or whatever. If you're arguing with somebody, something that's flagrantly wrong, right to you, but if you stand, you're still not allowed to stand your ground. Exactly, and that's the and then the thing is, like some, you know, uh, I think it might have been um, Ari Spears who made a comment um, where he's like, uh, you know, I had one of my white friends come over to my house, and then you know, my mom came in the room and was like, cut the TV off. And my white friend was like, yo, your mom can't come in your room. You know, this is this is your space, you know, whatever. Oh, hey, hey my man, you better bring that down. Yeah, don't let her hear you talking yeah, like that. my mom you, off the chain. You're going to get us both killed. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, you know, uh, I'm saying that to say that, you know, there, obviously there are principles. There are things that, that you know, we're entitled to. We're entitled to respect we're entitled to you know everything that any other human being endowed with consciousness is entitled to you know what i mean just basic human um common courtesy right uh the thing is in my experience it's we're we're not always going to choose to fight that fight because again that deck is stacked against us having an argument with especially with some against someone who's not black you automatically look more aggressive especially when the police show up because we know how that story ends. And so these are just some of the things that I wanted to share um, with obviously black folks. It's good to have this therapy amongst ourselves, but you know, for the folks listening who would consider themselves allies to black people, um, white folks, especially because they seem to be the furthest removed from our immediate reality. Yeah. Um, It's, it feels good to be able to share that and kind of help paint a picture of what day to day life is like. Um, but before we get out of here, um, I definitely want to implore everyone listening, you know, this vaccine, get the vaccine, you know, um, it, 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 <laughs> you, I, I, you know, I, I obviously do your research, but, you know, who knows what you're looking at, you know, because there's so many people trying to attack the truth right now, but use your gut we're all human beings we're all in this together and for better or worse black people have made it this far we're not going to get taken out by a virus real real quick real quick google pfizer look at all the things they make that you use already there you go in full faith and if they wanted to do something they could have did it already please uh, but with that said, um, that's going to do it for us here on Civic Cipher. Once again, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. They call me Q Ward, and that just so happens to be my name. Peace. We, well, before we go, real quick, we really could use um, your support. Uh, any questions you might have, um, any topics that you want us to touch on with the show, uh, if you want to make a donation, hit civiccipher.com or follow Civic Cipher on all social media. All right, y'all? I ain't now, mean to rush away, y'all. My bad. <laughs> Peace. Peace. <laughs>